and welcome to another edition of the Paul's Body Engineering Podcast. Today we bring you episode number 83. I'm going to run solo today and the inspiration for my topic today has come from the fact that um, throughout Australia in particular, many people are only weeks away from getting on stage as a bodybuilder. Now, um, obviously, it's a sport of mine. Um, I turned professional a few years ago, and um, it's something I uh, am heavily invested in in terms of my business. Um, I coach a lot of athletes, and I thought it'd be a great opportunity to sort of talk about the sport a little bit, primarily the process involved. Um, a lot of people see it from the outside and realize, wow, you know, they, they look great, they get on stage, and then that's it, and they don't realize the length of time, the big commitment, um, the sacrifices that are made to get to that position, that final position of, of performing on stage. So I thought I'd go through the process and the process is aptly known as contest prep periodization. And I have to credit a couple of other individuals who have over the years developed um, this periodization model. And uh, this will be my particular take and insight on it. But uh, people like Brandon Kempter, the bodybuilding dietitians, uh, Sports Nutrition Australia, Eric Helms, as uh, just a few who have had their input into this over the years through um, extensive research and experience. Now, the contest prep periodization. Um, look, it sounds fancy, um, and it's not really. Like, um, it, it, there is a model available. There's actually quite a few, and if you typed it in, you'd probably find a few of them into Google. But um, it effectively outlines the stages in which a competitive bodybuilder, fitness model, physique athlete, whatever you want to call them, goes through um, when competing and then preparing to compete again in a couple of years' time. You know, if so, if so, if this is your chosen sport, whether you're amateur or professional and you want to do it multiple times throughout your career, um, this is the process that you take. But the thing to mention here is that this process is effectively very similar to one that a general population or a lifestyle client would take apart from the fact that they don't get on stage. The body recomposition model is still the same. We're effectively trying to develop natural muscle in an off season and then in a prep period, we're reducing body fat to display that natural muscle. So that whole process still takes effect and I, I use it today with the, the vast majority of my clients. Um, but we just have to be a bit more specific in terms of the end goal for a contest prep. So let's get into it then, shall we? I've got the model in front of me, so I remember the order just in case I uh, have a have one of those moments. But I'll start with the off-season because that's the most common thing. Most sports have an off-season, okay? It's effectively when you're not competing. Um, now, an off-season in bodybuilding effectively means you're at your peak in terms of strength, in terms of gym performance, and in terms of calorie intake. So strategically speaking, you're eating the most calories you can to fuel your body to perform at the highest level you can in the gym, thereby giving your body every opportunity to develop muscle. Now, as a natural athlete, I'm not gonna really speak too much about our enhanced counterparts, but as a natural athlete, it is very hard to put on natural muscle, okay? It takes time, it takes dedication, it takes discipline. Um, and unbeknownst to most people, you know, you, you can't uh, look at a tool of measurement in terms of muscle, uh, muscle developing lean muscle mass as weight because you might get ma quite bigger in terms of um, a visual appearance, but you may only put on one kilo of natural muscle in terms of pr previous stage weight to current stage weight. So it is important to understand that and know that even though you're training your backside off, um, your physique is still changing. It's just not changing in terms of weight. And at the end of the day, it's a bodybuilding show, not a weight loss show or a weight gain show. 
So the off season is, is pretty much that. Um, through a period of time, depending on when you intend to compete next, and even if you're competing for the first time, I always encourage someone to spend a period of time before they compete in a surplus, so your calories are over maintenance, and you're strategically still eating, you're still tracking to a level of 80% or above, and you are training aggressively, training intensely, training with purpose, okay, and training with strategy too. Very, very important that we train in accordance with your goal, and, and that is subjective to the division that you see yourself in. If you're a men's bodybuilder compared to a men's fitness athlete, it might be different. A women's figure athlete compared to a bikini athlete, again, would be different. The the, the volume, the um, the loading, and obviously the target muscle groups would be slightly different, um, subjective to the divisions that you choose. So that's pretty much the off-season. Now, an off-season generally uh, can be six months, 12 months, 18 months, two years, etc. It depends on the individual. It also depends on how often they've previously competed, because as we know, Competing um, is tremendously stressful on the physiological system as well as the mental side of things. Um, so it is important to understand that you do need time out of the sport in terms of an off-season. Um, so the more you compete, the longer the breaks need to be, the longer the off-season needs to be. Uh, so for me personally, at the moment, I'm, I'm um, part, I've passed two years off-season right now. Um, so I don't know when my next stage will be, but it, obviously I would have had a lengthy off-season nonetheless, and, and I'm quite comfortable with that. So that's effectively off-season. Now, when you do decide to prep, okay, there's a period of time before the prep starts, and this is more of a recent terminology, the pre-prep. Now, the pre-prep is effectively around a four-week window that just gives you an opportunity to streamline all your processes, um, get your head in the right space, and fine-tune your eating habits, Make people aware, have those open conversations with your partner, your friends, your workplace, etc. Um, because, you know, if anyone who has competed and understands the discipline required in prep and obviously the commitment, um, it can be quite arduous, it can be quite taxing. So if people are aware this is what you're about to do, at least they're, they're on board. They know, they've been warned, etc. But also it gives you, as I mentioned, an opportunity to really fine tune your eating. Um, now, what I mean by that is if you're in an off-season, and generally we're in an off-season, you know, we're in a fairly significant surplus um, at, at various stages, meaning you can obviously eat a lot of calories. So when you eat a lot of calories, you can be a bit more flexible with your accuracy. When we get to pre -pre the pre-prep period before the prep starts, we want to rein that accuracy in. We want to get that adherence back to a 9, 9.5, 10 out of 10. Um, however, if you jump straight from an off-season where you're fairly flexible and you're only, say, a 7 or an 8 out of 10, and then you go into a prep where you're expected to be a 10 out of 10, there could be a lag. There could be a period of time where it takes you a bit to just get back into the groove of things. Not to mention the fact that generally when you start a prep, there's a reduction in your calorie intake straight away. Now, if there's a reduction given and that reduction doesn't have an immediate impact on your body in terms of starting to drop weight, that could very well be due to the fact that the you were, you know, the seven or eight out of 10 in terms of adherence in your off season and you didn't transition quick enough in for your body to adapt to a high calorie intake or a consistent calorie intake. So hopefully that makes sense. So that's the point of the pre-prep. It's only a short window, but it just gives you an opportunity to fine tune everything. Also it gives you an opportunity to get your head in the game too, because as we know, prep is a very much a mental game. It's very much a, um, a resilient game. And I shouldn't say game, because that sounds, that underwhelms it a little bit, but you, you do need to have mental resilience going into prep for sure. So you complete your pre-prep and then it should be a very smooth transition into your prep. Now prep 
timeline could be anywhere from 12 weeks, 18, 20, 30. It's all, again, subjective to the individual, the division they do, their starting point, their current composition, how much weight they've got to lose. A lot of, lot of factors come into play. And any, any coach who knows um, the bodybuilding game and is obviously experienced, they will give you the appropriate timeline to suit where you need to be. So in layman's terms, a prep period is effectively just the reduction of calories and obviously implementation of good training strategies to effectively reduce body fat over a period of time to get you to stage ready condition okay so we need to maintain muscle mass we need to um, salvage as much muscle mass as we can through that period and that's why weight training is so important but also weight training intensity needs to remain constant throughout and um, we we generally use a, a linear approach that's the most um, common version of a prep strategy in terms of nutrition so you start at nutrition Y you finish at nutrition Z and everywhere in between it just gradually declines down a linear pattern um, but with that being said obviously if you've spent time in an off season your starting point is going to be a lot more comfortable than if you just approach a coach with six weeks 16 weeks to go and you've got to drop 10 kilos um, you know I personally wouldn't take that that on because you know health is very very important in this process but many coaches do and it has to be a very aggressive diet to get you ready so you'd rather spend the time building your metabolism up to a very healthy point and start at a healthy point rather than trying to go too hard and potentially fail or just come in and have some health implications post-show so the prep period is um, it, it's very simplistic in most approaches now there are strategies involved around diet breaks um, obviously deloads in terms of your training as well to try and take and mitigate stress on the body. Um, obviously dieting is a form of stress, so we need to make sure we're managing the individual stress as best we can. Um, but at the end of the day, it is going to be tough, no doubt, when you're in a deficit, you know, you, your energy is starting to decline. You've still got to turn up and, and put in 100% in the gym. And then you've still got to live as well. Um, you know, you've got family, you've got a job. All of these things cannot be sacrificed simply because you're doing um, a sport you've chosen to do. So it is important that um, you maintain as much of your lifestyle as you can and you've got the support mechanisms around you to help you. So that's effectively prep. And as I said, it can venture from you know 12 weeks all the way up to 30, again, depending on the individual. Now we move to peak week, the fun part. Everyone gets excited about peak week. Now, even though peak week sort of suggests that you're going to peak and turn, up, turn into you know the best bodybuilder around, there's no magic that happens in peak week. If you're not ready at the start of peak week, you're not going to be ready at the end of it, okay? The exception to that rule is if you come in and, and your coach believes you've probably got half a kilo or a kilo to go, obviously that is manageable in one week's time, so it might be a case that you just diet through peak week. But other than that, you need to be ready at the start. So peak week gives coaches and athletes the opportunity to improve maybe 1% or 2% more on where they're at. And that effectively means tidying up the body so there might be a bit of water there might be um you know you might be lacking a fair bit of glycogen because you've been for depleted for so long um, the implementation of of salt and drinking of water try and fill you out a bit more um again there's no magic you're not going to turn into arnold schwarzenegger overnight nothing like that it is simply an opportunity to refine everything tidy up the, the last minute bits and pieces and bring you into show in the best possible condition you can now the two common strategies around peak week are the front load and the back load and this is effectively um, primarily for those heavily conditioned 
divisions. So your men's bodybuilding, your women's figure, um, women's fitness, men's um, physique and classic physique are the prime examples of that where they need to bring in that vascularity, that hardness, the conditioning, the lines, um, whereas the other divisions are slightly softer so they don't have to have that sharpness about them. So in terms of the, the two strategies, the back load and the front load, um, look, it, it all depends on the coach and, and the athlete as to which one they favour. There are other strategies out there but they're the, main, the two main common ones that I'll touch on today. So the front load is when you effectively implement a large carbohydrate intake early on in the week. Now this number or this volume comes from um, recording data throughout the prep and knowing how, sorry, knowing how the um, the athlete's body responds to a higher carb intake through diet breaks or refeed days. You know, when you when you jot all that stuff down and keep a track of everything they eat, it gives you the opportunity to reflect back and go, okay, this is going to be the best strategy in the peak week just to improve the athlete that two percent. So front load also gives you the opportunity to remedy any problems you may have with a few days left. So if they're competing on say, I don't know, the Saturday, you know, you can front load them on like a Tuesday and you've still got Wednesday, Thursday and Friday to fix any problems you might have. They might go watery, you might spill them by accident. Um, you know, so there's an opportunity there and there's time to fix something. On the other side of the coin, the back load obviously doesn't give you that time. So if they're competing on the Saturday, the back load generally happens on the Thursday or the Friday. Uh, again, subjective to the individual, and it just doesn't give you time to fix things, so you need to get it right. Um, however, the advantage of the backload is that you are carb-loaded closer to the event, therefore you don't have to do much top-up, um, whereas the front load, you generally have to top up throughout the week to ensure they stay full for those extra few days. So. Um, there is a bit of thinking to, involved and you really have to sit down and strategize the approach you're going to take and ensure that you're, um, you're going down the right path. In terms of training, um, training doesn't change too much. I personally like to, to split my training up throughout the week to give the, the individual a bit of motivation and, and you know, a bit of, bit of fun. Um, the only thing I do do and I make sure of is that we drop pretty much any leg based volume by Tuesday or Wednesday, again, depending on the show day, just because as we know, the legs are the biggest muscle group on the body. Um, and when you train legs, you train intensely, uh, response is generally high in inflammation and fluid retention. So we can't have that lingering throughout the week, particularly towards close to the show day. So you drop heavy leg training and um, you just focus on getting um, somewhat of a pump throughout the week, maintaining that pump, not going to failure, no supersets, king sets, nothing like that. It's all about maintaining what you've got and just going through the motions. So that's pretty much peak week. Now, in terms of obviously the, the specifics around food, um, again, very, very individual based. Um, you can't roll in a generic program or a generic meal plan, it just doesn't work. It has to be customized to the individual based on the data you've collected, not only through the prep period, but also in the off season. Now we move to show day, the fun day. <clears throat> and this is where all the hard work comes down. And it's so ironic, you spend so long dieting, so long in a deficit for potentially you know a few minutes on stage. It doesn't make sense really when you look at it like that. But I tell you what, it is such a fun day. Um, the experience is not, nothing like it. And it is, it's, it's complete entertainment. It's not just some, some guys or girls on stage, you know, um, posing aggressively they have fun there's loud music there's an MC there's an audience you know there's an atmosphere it's fantastic and anyone who hasn't been to a body Miller show I urge you to go along because they are a spectacular event 
So show day um, is generally one day format. Some shows run over two days, depending on how big they are in the numbers. And then they run it obviously in terms of a schedule in uh, regards to various divisions. Now what you do on show day as an athlete um, is obviously you know your division, the, the times are generally released you know, a few days out. You've booked your hair, makeup, tanning, etc., in, which would generally be first thing in the morning, and then it's just a matter of waiting throughout the day. You'll have a meal plan or a nutrition plan in place for that day. Um, every couple of hours, you'll be topping yourselves up with carbs, etc. There'll be a light pump required, things like that. Um, additions of salt and water. You know, we don't go down the old school path of reducing water and increasing salt. <clears throat> Those days are gone. Water does work tremendously well in terms of getting on a pump and creating that fullness that you want. Now, um, obviously, depending on the vision, again, um, salt can potentially influence the appearance of conditioning as well as vascularity, as does carbohydrates and the addition of water. So those things are implemented um, at a timing schedule leading into the first event of the day or the first showing of the particular athlete. Right before they're due to go on, they do a fairly aggressive pump up, get the blood through the muscles, and away they go. That's pretty much show day. If they've got multiple events, then we obviously assess as they go and just double check their physique. You do tend to make changes on the run a little bit, subjected to how much they burnt on stage. Um, in terms of calories, obviously how much they've had to sweat off as well. And um, you know you might need to top them up with water and carbs as you go, again, depending on the gap between their divisions, um, you know how long they've got to wait around and things like that. But it is so much fun and, and very, very rewarding, it really is. Then we move on to the reverse of recovery diet. Now this is the hardest part of the entire process. So you've spent two years in an off season, then you've spent 18, 30 weeks in a prep. You've been in a deficit, you've been hungry, you've been seeing family members eating up, you know, fish and chips and pizza and stuff like that, and you've gone, man, I'm gonna have some of that when I finish, for sure. <clears throat> then it gets to show day, you have a great time, and then what? The goal's gone, the goal's finished, the goal is over. So you don't then don't have that that timeline, that motivating factor, that that thing that's coming up close to you where you know you if you slip up you're not going to make it. That's all gone now. That's why the reverse is so hard. It's not hard from a um, you have to eat this point of view. It's hard from a psychological point of view because the, there's no longer a goal in place. So it, I do urge my athletes in particular to start thinking about new goals before the show is over, before the show even gets there. Just so you've got a new focal point. But um, the reverse diet is hard because obviously you've been dieting for so long, all you want to do is eat. All you want to do is eat. And you generally want to eat bad food, okay? Because that's what you're craving. That's what your body wants. But unfortunately, you can't. Um, look, don't get me wrong. Some people prefer to just go off on their own and do their own thing and, you know, and they're happy to put on some weight straight away and that's fine. But for those that are very weight conscious and are content with their body and they want to maintain some relevance of a healthy looking athletic physique, you need to follow a reverse diet protocol. It's as simple as that. Um, and there's two strategies I use. One is the drip feed effect, or I call it that, and the other one is going straight to maintenance. Now the drip feed effect is effectively uh, having the athlete check in every second day post-show. <clears throat> this provides another level of accountability too. And what we do is we assess their weight and any other metrics and then we increase their calories. Um, primarily their carbohydrates. So we'll go up 10, 15, 20 grams every second day. So at, by the end of the week, you're generally up 100. The end of the second week, you're generally up 200. So you can see it does increase. Three weeks is generally the window 
where it's the toughest. After that, you should be out and you should be in a healthier, comfortable state. But in saying that, if you lose control, it is very hard to rein it in. I remember my very first season. At the end of it, I whacked on five kilos in one week. One week because my body was so used to such low calorie intake and I went and ate everything I could find, it just could not absorb it, it could not use it. So it just went to body fat so, so quickly. And I went, where the hell are my abs gone? Well, they're gone, they're there, they're just covered now. So you are in such a susceptible position of weight gain that you need to understand that before the reverse starts. And I, I make sure that my athletes are well aware of the reverse process six weeks out and I drum it into them through that whole six week period because it is such an important message to send because <clears throat> not only physically and, and obviously from a health perspective can they suffer, mentally they can really struggle as well and you know they, you often hear about the post-comp blues and things like that. Well, this is a, a direct representation of that. If you whack on a heap of weight really, really quickly, you are going to get down because you you know three weeks ago you're on stage looking amazing now you, you're a bit tubby and you don't know why and the other thing is you can't diet out of it so if you finished your if you finish your peak week in your season on say 1200 calories average right which is which is common for for this sport and then you enter a reverse but you blow it and obviously whack on you know five ten kilos whatever it may be but your body is still used to 1200 calories you can't diet out of that where do you go thousand eight hundred that's the last thing you want to do when you've just spent 30 weeks dieting. So the only um, way out of that certain situation is to continue the reverse, get your calories up, and then diet down, which means you are going to put on more weight than you necessarily wanted to. So again, <clears throat> it is incredibly important to follow the plan. You've got to last at least two to three weeks, and once you're out, you're out, and you're pretty comfortable, and then there's more flexibility, more variation, higher calorie intake, and you effectively enter your off-season. So that's pretty much it. That's the periodization in a nutshell. Um, it's not overly complicated. It can be spoken about very complicated. And look, there's a number of different things I didn't mention. You know, I mentioned the, the diet breaks. I didn't talk about mini cuts within the off season. You know, you're not going to sit on incredibly high food for two years because you will put on weight. That's the objective of an off season. Like you need to put on weight in order to, to develop strength and grow your uh, lean muscle tissue. Um, but in that period, people do get uncomfortable carrying so much weight. So um, we do undertake uh, what we call mini cut where, you know, for four to six weeks, we'll run a very short calorie deficit, very minor one, just to try and tidy the body up, drop a few kilos, and then go back into a building or bulking or off-season phase again. So yeah, that's another strategy that's implemented, particularly if it's a lengthy off-season. Um, you know, and there's coaches out there that implement other things during peak week as well, um, and same thing during their prep. So that I just touched on my experience, my knowledge, and obviously what I've done in the past with athletes as well, but that gives you a good foundation of what's involved. And as I said at the very start, it's not just <clears throat> the 12 weeks and then you're on stage. You know, if you want to take this sport seriously and actually want to do really well or look your best, you've got to spend the time. You really have to spend the time to, to build, work on your weak points, and um, you know do the diet right as well. However, as I said also, you know this model is still applicable to a general population client. You know, if, if someone doesn't necessarily want to compete, but they still want to look their best, you can still go through this entire process apart from obviously peak week show day and, and the pre-prep probably. You know, so you can run a 20-week bulking period or 20-week gaining period. Then you do a small prep or a mini cut for six 
six to 12 weeks. All right, then you do a reverse and then you repeat the process and that'll just continually over time tighten the body up, tighten the body up, increase your calorie intake and before you know it, you know, you're sitting on three, three and a half thousand calories with a lean physique um, that many people are envious of but you've done the work. It might take a couple of years but you've done the work and that's the problem people have today. We don't have patience but if you can show patience, discipline and commitment, you can get a very healthy, sustainable body in place that many people will be envious of. So that's it in a nutshell, contest prep periodization, my version of it. Um, so once again, I'd like to thank you all for tuning in. Really appreciate the, um, the, the following and obviously the listening and the support. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please screenshot and share it and tag myself at Paul's Body Engineering. If you're interested in any of my coaching services, please jump on paulsbodyengineering.com. Make sure you check out the, the events we've got coming up as well. We've got a breathwork and ice workshop with Jordan Potts on the 12th of March. We've also got a, uh, a beginner to intermediate deadlifting workshop on the 26th of uh, this month um, with Chris McGeary, both held at Paul's Body Engineering. Very, very exciting times ahead. So thank you once again. And as I say to every client, every single day, have a great day.